This episode may contain themes that are unsettling for some listeners and includes dialogue that is inappropriate for children under 14. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey juicers, I'm Alyssa. And I'm Brooke. And this is For God's Sake, Don't Drink the Jones Juice. Welcome back to episode 28. Hey, hey. Me hope. Oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, last episode of 2020, this hell of a year. Oh, is it? I didn't even realize. Wow, yeah, it is. Thank God. So, the next episode, 29... We're going to be in entirely different spirits. The world's going to be all better. Psych. And it's going to be great. (laughs) I really fucking hope that next year is better because I know you've been through it this year. I've been through it this year. A lot of my friends have been through it this year. And this is like not even considering COVID. That's without COVID. You then add COVID into the mix and it's been literally like a clusterfuck of just horrible shit this year horrible i hope you you guys year has been better than ours because oh Oh. god so yeah um i'm claiming it right now 2020 is my year 2020 (laughs) (laughs) 2021 is my year (laughs) and yours Uh, god and all of yours i hope it's the year of our podcast because it seems to me kind of going uh not as great as we'd like it to you guys um remember when we first started this and you guys were so excited and like (laughs) we would get a lot of listens and you guys would interact with us and you join our giveaways and send in your listener juices what happened to that because we're feeling the lack of love from you guys honestly like it might be what everybody what we're feeling everybody else is like just depression and just You know, nobody like we're just so unmotivated and like the world is just a horrible place right now. (laughs) The the world does suck right now. But look, we have a giveaway going on. Alyssa is going to explain it to you. We did talk about it in our last podcast, but just in case you did not listen, let's talk about it one more time. It's also posted on, is it posted on Instagram? Yes. It's on Instagram. It's on our, in our Facebook group. All you have to do is um, you join our Facebook group. You follow our, follow our Instagram if you've already done both of those. Cool, you're already two steps ahead. Um, we want you to share your favorite episode of ours to your news feed mm-hmm. and shout us out. So I guess just tag us. Mm-hmm. I guess I could be on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, just uh, yeah, either one. Just you know, go to Spotify or Apple Podcast. Share it to one of the social media feeds or both. Yeah, either either way. Um, and then once you're done, find our giveaway post on Facebook or Instagram and just comment done. Mm-hmm. And that's how we'll know if you've done it. Um, and you can win a Don't Drink the Jones Juice t-shirt. So Of your choice. Yes, of your choice. You get to choose. So go do that. We've literally had one person enter. <laughs> Thank you, Dory. It's so sad. And you know what's also sad is like... 
because I guess these last two weeks have been so busy because of the holidays and just because life in general. We didn't even realize it till we were sitting here like, oh wait, how's our giveaway going? <laughs> and Brooke was like, one person entered. So it's a free shirt, guys. Like literally a free shirt. Yeah. So get in on that. Just Last one did really well. All of our giveaways have done really well. I yeah. g- maybe it's people are just busy because it's the holidays. I don't know. Totally understandable. Yeah. We were pretty busy. How was your Christmas? <laughs> Am I supposed to lie here? <laughs> you can oh, say it was you grand. It was a wonderful. No, honestly, it fucking sucked. And I hate to be like that, but it was a really rough time. So, yeah, there's that. I won't go into detail. How was yours? Um, well, <laughs> I actually had a really good Christmas. Titus got a lot of stuff that he's been playing with constantly since christmas and scotty got me a foot spa i saw that have you used it yet yeah is it nice no it sucks we both agree that it it definitely sucks because so it bubbles but when you put your feet in it your feet go where the bubbles come out so they don't it doesn't bubble because your feet are on top of it but i mean it's nice if you just want to sit there and you can soak your feet and i guess put in Epsom salts yeah, or something. something like that. But, I mean, I like it. I'll obviously use it all yeah. the time. But Well, that was a nice thought. Oh, very. Like, he thought, hey, Alyssa always asks me to massage her feet. <laughs> <laughs> what can I get her? Yeah, that was sweet. He also got me, um, like, a, a phone car mount. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. Did I say that right? A, f- a car mount for your, for your phone? phone? Yeah. yeah. And I fucked it up. What? Unfortunately. So it's like adhesive. Yeah. And I don't know what I was thinking, but I didn't wipe off my dash before I stuck oh. it on there. And there's a bunch of dust there. <laughs> it's a, literally, it's not sticky anymore because oh, the no. dust it collected. Thankfully, it came with like... An extra pad. No, it came with something I can stick in a vent oh, and okay. I can like do it like that. But it sucks because I didn't really want it in my vent. Right, right. But you want that airflow. But I'm happy I have that because I've actually been... And it's funny because... So, (laughs) um, we were riding in the car and Scotty had already (laughs) bought that for me. Uh And I was like... And I didn't know about it. And I said, what you should have got me for Christmas was a phone (laughs) car mount thingy. Uh And he just kind of sat there. And then, like a few days later, um, I got him like an FM transmitter thing so he can have Bluetooth in his car. Like, a few days later, he was like, I need a new aux cord. And I was like, oh, um, are you going to get one? Because I didn't want him to get one. And yeah. then, you know, we give him that. So we both got each other something we definitely needed. Good. Which is good. I did get some good gifts from my hubby. Um, he got me five gift cards. Ooh. So, like, Sephora, um, Home Depot for my plants. Uh, what else? Um, home goods. Um, I think there was a Zaxby's and a Kohl's. That's what it was. Yeah. And then, you know, a bunch of little odds and ends type stocking stuffers, but like he knows me gift cards. That's where it's at. Right, you yeah. know what I mean? So. You can get what you want. Exactly. Scotty usually gets me a gift card to like Sephora or something like that. But mm-hmm. I like when he buys me gifts that like, he buys cause he's thought about me. Right, you know what I mean? Right. Those are always. I don't know. I just kind of feel like 
like a gift card's the best idea because like I have everything you know what I mean anything I want I get it so it's like that's true (laughs) it's like he'll end up getting me something that I might use once or twice you know what I mean yeah whereas I can go pick something out that you know right so that you definitely want I saw a really cute idea on Facebook it was actually a friend of mine posted that her and her boyfriend what they did for Christmas and I thought this was such a good idea I told Aaron I said we should do this next year all they did for each other they bought plane tickets uh-huh. to go to different places in the United States. So they're going to travel. So um, the girl got, I want to say, I may have this backwards, but got uh, them plane tickets to go to Colorado. Oh, and I think I'm friends with this person. It's too. Casey. I don't know. Or I... Jesse, um, Casey and Jesse. But, um, and then he got, or maybe the other way around, uh, tickets to go to Oregon. So I thought that was so cool. So it's like in march they're going to oregon and in september they're going you know i would love to do that too i thought it was such a great idea i didn't have a four-year-old child i had to worry about yeah i would done been gone to san diego again right um sorry if i'm sniffling i'm sick not covid sick but (laughs) like sinus seasick and that's also that's also why my voice sounds different kind of hoarse and congested but um well plane tickets tickets. (laughs) are you ready to get started oh i also wanted to tell you well my grandma i mean my grandma got me more than just this but this Mm -hmm. was my favorite thing she got me have you you may have had these but i've never had them but it's like i see them on facebook every year Mm -hmm. every year for christmas and it's like the the orange chocolate you know what i'm talking about it's like uh so that's it's like a it's supposed to be like an orange and each slice is like an orange slice and it's like orange flavored chocolate Mm. okay i've never had one and i never knew where to get them and so when i opened that i was so excited (laughs) because i've been wanting it for forever and i told my grandma and it made her very happy that she got me something that i wanted (laughs) and it was good they are good yes and scotty doesn't get any Uh even though she got them for both of us they're for me yum that sounds good All right, well, I guess we'll go ahead and get on into it. Let's do it. All right, so today uh, my case is the mysterious death of Kanika Jenkins. This has been requested by a few folks, um, also requested by my daughter, Ansley. She suggested I do this a couple of weeks ago. She likes listening to our podcast when it comes to things that, like, she knows about. Does she listen sometimes? Yeah. Like, we'll That's be on the road. To me. I know. Usually she hates it, but if it's something she's heard about before, she gets, like, super intrigued. I remember after Chris Watts and we were listening to it on our way to wherever we were going, and she's like, turn that off. I don't want to hear it. I'm going to have nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this was suggested by a few of our listeners as well as my daughter. So, here we go. Um, to research this case, I listened to Morbid's podcast. They had an excellent uh, podcast on this case, um, along with several YouTube videos. Again, at the gym, working out, watching murder. Well, not murder, but you know, creepy videos. Watching murder. <laughs> and uh, I read probably, I don't know, six to ten articles just trying to collect info. Um, so, yeah. Kanika Jenkins, uh, who also sometimes went by Kanika Martin, and I'm not sure why she did that. Maybe 
her dad's last name was one and her mom's last name was the other. I'm not exactly sure why she went by two different names, but most people know her as Kanika Jenkins. Uh, She was 19 years old when she was found dead in the hotel kitchen freezer at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Rosemont, Illinois, in the early morning hours of September 10th, 2017. I always forget how recent that was. It is very recent. So, the Rosemont, Illinois Police Department did not suspect foul play, but they stated at the time that their investigation was incomplete. incomplete. The medical examiner determined that Jenkins' death was an accident, saying that a combination of alcohol and prescription medication were to blame. Kanika's mother, Teresa Martin, disagreed. So, I guess that's why she did go by Martin sometimes, her mom. Amateur online detectives went nuts with outlandish conspiracy theories. Yeah. (laughs) You remember these? As did local teens and even some former law enforcement. The mysterious death clearly probed a lot of minds. So how did she end up in a freezer? So now I'm going to talk about Kanika's evening and discuss some of the speculations, some that are super super left field and others that could be plausible right um if you guys have not seen the photographs of the um i guess what would be considered the crime scene you should um i will be posting them of course but uh it definitely it's odd yeah it's odd it is odd now with my investigating and my research i have a theory of my own but i will let you guys decide and i will talk about what i believe happened as well okay so the day is september 9th 2017 19 year old kanika had just landed a job at a nursing home and was super excited she told her mom that she was going bowling with some friends to celebrate her achievement But, as we all know, teenage girls don't always tell their parents the The truth truth, (laughs) about where they're going. And I think this is kind of the scary part here. Most of us have done this exact same thing. And this could have been me. Could have been me. It could have been you. Um, It could have been any of our listeners. We've all done it. You know? Mom and dad, you don't want them to know that you're going to party. You know? I mean, it's like there's a meme somewhere. It's like... Remember all the times I told my mom I was doing this, but really I was, you know, passed out in a field from, yeah, you know. I've seen that. Yeah. So. Uh, and it's so true. We've all done this. Have you ever had to um, lie for your, one of your siblings or one of your friends to their mom or dad? No, I don't think so. I've had to do that for my, they paid me $15 <sighs> if I would call my sister's friend's mom and say, hey, we're all going to this one place. Uh-huh. It's super safe. We're going to be fine. I was 18 at the time, so I was like an adult. Yeah. And I was like, you know, this is where we're going to be. And this is what we're going to do. And then we're going to come back here. And, like, it's going to be fine. And her mom was like, okay. And then they went off and did something fucking insane. Uh-huh. And I was just, I had $15 and I bought <laughs> cigarettes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So, um, in reality, Kanika was attending a hotel party at the Crown Plaza. 30 to 40 people were said to have been partying in this one hotel room. Oh, my God. That is crazy. Can you imagine, like, the noise? The other guests are probably like, this is not how I wanted my vacation to go. (laughs) Exactly. 
So um, this hotel room was said to have been paid for with a fraudulent credit card. Ooh. She and four of her girlfriends rode together, and they arrived at the hotel around 1.30 a.m., but not before a quick pick, uh, pit stop to pick up weed, liquor, and energy drinks. The know, good stuff. The necessities. <laughs> so fun was being had. Social media uh, videos were being posted. There were a lot of live videos from the party, you know, by some of her friends. Um, an acquaintance who arrived at the party said that Kanika appeared to be swaying back and forth as she greeted him when she gave him a hug. Several witnesses said that she did not, or I'm sorry, that she did drink, but that she did not per- partake in the use of any marijuana or any other drug. Like, that just wasn't her thing. Now, these hotel parties were pretty common. But she stopped to get some, didn't she? Well, with her friends. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, these hotel parties were pretty common with this group of friends. They they were kind of a party group. Right. I think there was something about they called themselves like the turn-up crew or something. Oh, yeah. You know, it's typical teenage mm-hmm. behavior, right? Just having a good time. Exactly. So um, another one of the partygoers reported that Kaniko wasn't acting like her usual self, noting that she would dance a little bit but later appeared to be sad and would go sit down. So something was just a little bit off with her that night. Right. At around four in the morning, Teresa Martin, Kanika's mother, gets a phone call from some of Kanika's friends saying that she's missing from the hotel. At this point, her friends had been searching the hotel for her for about an hour. Having no idea that Kanika was even at the hotel, Teresa immediately sprung into action and she drives to the hotel. Good mom. Yeah, exactly. So she goes to the front desk and she demands the security camera footage from the hotel. And they tell her no. They say that she can't view any of the footage without a missing persons report. Right? So, like any mom would, she's like, okay, I'll I'm call the police. going to go file a missing persons report. Yeah. So she calls the police. Basically, um, in this, there is video uh, circulation, you know, on YouTube of the call between Teresa and the operator. But basically, the 911 operator tells her to, like, just kind of chill out and call back a couple hours later and suggested that maybe Kanika just went to stay with a friend. Basically, it was just like, you know, I'm sure she's fine. You know, just call back in a couple hours. First of all, we're wasting time. Literally. If there's a missing young young woman and you're telling her mom to chill. To call back in a few hours. We are wasting time yeah. that this girl could have been found. Right. I hope that operator feels extremely guilty. I hope about, they're fired. Yeah. So, meanwhile, Teresa starts knocking on hotel room doors, desperately searching for her daughter. And you know what the hotel does? They call the police on her. I bet they came like that because yeah yeah she's disturbing these guests right. now i do also want to mention i did not know this until i listened to morbid's podcast but the city of rosemont illinois has about a three percent black population so this is a very um affluent white neighborhood right so i think that possibly this 911 dispatcher was just kind of like oh missing black girl eh, whatever like, who cares? yeah right 
and sadly that is our the world we live in it's a reality unfortunately and there's this black mom knocking on these doors disturbing these guests we're going to call the cops on her disturbing these white guests exactly now where kanika is from it was about i want to say it was about half hour maybe an hour away from rosemont but where she lived was a completely different area um in morbid's podcast they commented about how it was like one of the most dangerous uh, suburbs that there were a lot of assaults a lot of shootings a lot of murders um but they came to rosemont basically so that they wouldn't kind of be a part of that they wanted to go somewhere more safe and you know which is good thinking yeah exactly so yeah police or uh, the hotel calls the police on her like how fucking dare you honestly like you guys won't show her security footage the police won't do shit for her but y'all gonna call the police on her so for she's on doors. just supposed to sit around and wait a yeah. few hours until this yeah. or the police officer or the the police station's like oh yeah now we will file that missing yeah. person's report the 911 operator just sounds so nonchalant like oh that's what happened well maybe she went to a friend's house yeah it, nah. just call us back later like he just didn't want to deal with it i'm gonna give you a theory of what i think happened yeah. without even knowing your daughter yeah how old was she again 19 19 okay so um kanika's friend's stories were all inconsistent as to what exactly had happened after the party Kanika's friends told her mother as they were getting ready to leave the party, they realized that Kanika had left her cell phone and her car keys back in the room. So they went up to get her stuff, leaving Kanika in the hallway. And when she got back, or when they got back, she was gone. However, Martin was quoted as saying that she didn't believe their story. So, yeah, first why of all, all three of them go back to get and leave her. Sp- yeah. Like, you don't leave your friend alone in a hotel hallway when clearly she's trashed. Yeah. Like, what kind of friends? Like, we'll go get your stuff. Like, you stay down all here. all three of us are going to go get a, the stuff that's literally a one-person job. Mm-hmm. And you're going to stay down here. That makes zero sense. And, like, you are very obviously drunk. So, Kanika was briefly seen um, with the others walking through one of the halls in the hotel, and camera footage later surfaced of Jenkins sta- uh, staggering near the front desk at 3.20-ish a.m. by herself. So, a hotel manager found Kanika's body in the freezer around 1 a.m., 21 hours after the initial search began my gosh 21 hours we're talking nearly a whole ass day later yeah so maybe if the police had been quicker to respond she could have been found and treated you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um like i said it's just it wasted time also non-caring how did they go a whole day without somebody going into the freezer well, apparently it was an unused freezer. It was like no- nothing was in it. Oh. So, yeah, it was just kind of there. wasn't being used. So 21 hours later, they find her body. Um, they also did say on the Morbid podcast that this hotel manager was just like super nonchalant when he found the body. Like you can kind of see him like on the security footage, just kind of like walking. Just like, oh, yeah, just found her. Like, you would think you see a body in a freezer, you're going to, like, run towards the police. Yeah, you're going to freak out because yeah, dead body. Yeah. So, 
Um, the autopsy report found no illegal drugs in Kanika Jenkins' system, but her blood alcohol level was found to be 0.112, which, if you're not familiar with the legal driving limit, it's 0.08. So she was beyond what's considered, you know, driving, right. uh, driving legally. Um, it doesn't sound like a whole lot. But we will, like I I said earlier, there were prescription drugs. I will talk a little bit about that as well. Okay. But the report also said that her body showed no signs of trauma other than a scrape on her foot and a bruise on her right leg. A private examination performed at the request of her family also concluded that there was no evidence of a physical or sexual assault. But if Kanika was so drunk that she accidentally just went into the into the freezer, people asked, how was she strong enough that in that drunken state that she was able to open the freezer door? Right. Apparently, this is a very heavy door. Yeah. So if you look at the video footage, like I said, she is clearly extremely inebriated. Like she's staggering. She's kind of falling into walls, just walking around the hotel by her damn self. So I'm going to be extremely honest here, and this is something that Alyssa knows, but most of you guys listening probably don't. So I used to party, and I used to drink a lot. And I'm just going to say that I've been in a place of being so absolutely trashed that I can actually see myself doing some shit like this, okay? And that's what makes this scary. Mm-hmm. Um I know I've literally walked into bathrooms and like laid down on the floor before. Wow. <laughs> like just been so drunk that I'm just like, uh, I'm done. I'm going to find a place to crash. You know what I mean? Um, so my theory is maybe she was just so drunk. She did not realize where she was. Maybe she thought she walked into a bathroom and just wanted to rest. Yeah. Um, and when you're drunk, you get hot. Yeah, I was about to say maybe she was like, well, it feels more nice in here. Yeah. I don't even think she knew that she was in a freezer is my theory. Um, When you're trash, you're wasted, you're really warm. Maybe she thought she walked into a bathroom and just kind of laid down. Maybe she thought she walked into a room. You know, I think she was in such a drunken stupor. She didn't know where she was. I don't think she purposely went into a freezer. Right. That is my theory. You know, I've literally never been so drunk that I didn't know where I was. Oh, I have. I've never been, like, I get to this one certain point when I'm drunk where I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I legit cannot take any more. Yeah. Well, that's good that you have that, you know, cut off in your brain. Me, it's like I get to that point and I'm like, keep going, 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 right. going. And that's why I don't drink anymore. So, um, now her mother speculated that in that drunken state, there's no way she could have you know, push the freezer door open. Again, it was very heavy. And usually when you're drunk, you're not going to be able to use a whole lot of force. You're kind of just floppy. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're kind of just looking for a place to plop down wherever. Right. You know what I mean? You're not like going around like pushing doors open. Yeah. You know? So now this is where it gets interesting. Traces of topiramate, topiramate, I hope I'm saying that correctly, but it is an epilepsy and migraine drug, um, was found in her system, although she was never prescribed this medication. So, of course, theories ensued that maybe she was drugged. Yeah. 
So uh, people speculated that she was drugged and then basically that she was like dragged into the freezer. Topiramate is definitely not a party drug. Okay. It's not something that you take to have a good time. Basically, it like knocks you on your ass. Right. I've never heard of this before. Yeah. So if she wasn't epileptic, if she didn't have migraines, why did she have this in her system? Right. And if it's not a party drug also, then why? Yeah. One of the girls on Morbid was saying that she has migraines and that any and every migraine medication she's been prescribed basically like knocks her on her ass, makes you feel awful. You like, it's not something you take to feel good. Right. You know? Um, so she was also found with a cut on one of her feet with her shoe missing. So in my opinion, that could have just been like a drunk stumble or Again, as some people speculated, she could have been forced into the freezer, and maybe that's where her foot was cut. Right. Topiramate taken with alcohol enhances the effects of drunkenness. Yeah. And also enhances the effects of hypothermia. Oh. So, as we all know, she died of hypothermia. Well, to me, that's very suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. So, the Rosemont police publicly released photographs showing Kanika wearing the same jeans and jean outfit or jean jacket that she had on in surveillance cameras of her walking through the hotel before her death. However, the shirt beneath her jacket was pulled up, exposing her breasts, according to a police report. Now, from my research, in the stages of hypothermia, you get really warm after you get cold. So that could explain that. Maybe she was getting hot. So in her drunken state, her drugged state, she started stripping her clothes off, thinking that she was hot. And that makes sense. Like, you know, when Aaron and I were cleaning out our pool um, a few weeks ago, our hands were so cold from, you know, putting them in the water and Mm -hmm. cleaning, like that they started to feel hot. Yeah. You know what I mean? So imagine being in a freezer. You're going to be freezing initially and then you're gonna start getting warm and that is one of the stages so of course uh kanika jenkins family and friends criticized the initial police response which there really wasn't a response other than eh, you know mm-hmm. she's okay she's at a friend's house or something and they did uh file a lawsuit against the hotel and the others so now about some of the conspiracy theories Of course, the official story was that Kanika Jenkins had gotten too drunk at the hotel party, wandered away from her friends, and stumbled into a freezer, closed the door, and was unable to escape. I do want to mention here as well that there is, like, an emergency latch that you can push on, and it will let you out. But it's dark. It's pitch black in this freezer. Even a panicked, sober person probably isn't going to find this emergency latch. Like, unless you know it's there. Yeah, exactly. And again, in my state, I think she just kind of walked in and shut the door behind her and just kind of went to sleep. That's what I think. That's weird to me, though, because when you're drunk and you open this door, that's already really heavy. Yeah. And then you're going to close it when you go in. Like, anytime I've ever opened a door when I'm drunk, I just just leave it open. Yeah. Yeah. You don't even think to... To close it, yeah. Yeah. That is very true. I don't know. It's all kind of weird. Um, so social media exploded with fingers pointed at Kanika's, Kanika's friends. Yeah, they seem suspicious as fuck. Right. 
One of the most outrageous theories claimed that Kanika was murdered in order to provide Selena Gomez with one of her kidneys. What? Yeah. <laughs> there was all kinds of like black market, like organ ring, like craziness. But Kanika was found with all of her organs. So that just absolutely makes no sense. <laughs> Who made that theory? There's, people were just saying all kinds of shit. So another one of the theories was that she was set up by her girlfriends, raped and murdered by three men in the hotel room for a mere $200. There were theories speculating that it wasn't Kanika at all on the hotel security camera footage, but a body double, and that it was a setup from the hotel. Another conspiracy stated that a video posted from the party um, that on a video posted from the party, Kanika could be heard in the background saying, help me. I did watch this video. I listened to the video. I replayed it several times. I'll let you see what you think about it. But I think people were really, really reaching on yeah. this one. It, I heard like a squeaky sound almost like I don't even know how to describe it, but I did not hear help me. Right. Um. I'll try to remember to post this video on the Facebook page. Anyway, that theory stated that one of the guys at the hotel party liked Kanika, but that she didn't like him. When the live video came out, people say that if you look closely, closely enough, you can see Jenkins being ganged up on by a group of boys on the bed in the room. Oh, my God. I did not see that either. According to www.kissrichmond.com, Jenkins was being raped on the bed while Irene, her friend, was on live. And after they raped her, they put her body in the freezer. Psychics also have done readings on what happened that night at the party, and they stated that she was also that stated as well that she was raped and killed. Again, that wasn't found in her autopsy, but if the police and the investigators just went into this with, oh, it's an accident. Mm -hmm. They probably wouldn't have even checked for that. True. You know what I mean? True. And again, you have this black girl in a very prominent white city. Yeah. And they, I think a lot of times in these investigations, these investigators go in with this theory in their mind already. Mm -hmm. So they don't really let the crime scene tell them what happened. Yeah. They're telling the crime scene what happened. Yep. I think that's true. So... But, um, yeah, a lot of theories here. Um, now, my theory, again, I do kind of believe with the initial theory. I think she was very drunk and just went in there and fell asleep. And that's what happened. That's my theory. I don't want to sound disrespectful here from my research. That's what I found. Um, I think people sometimes just want to believe the worst when weird things happen when yeah. freak accidents happen but um basically what i gather from it like here's the lesson here don't leave your friends alone when they're drunk stick yeah. together unless um, your friends are evil because i think i think there's just too many coincidences for it to have been an accident like the drug found in her system yeah. that increases the um heightens the alcohol yeah and also hypothermia and then she's also found in a freezer mm -hmm. i just think that's really weird that's like like if it's a not like if it was a party drug it wouldn't be weird right but because it's not it is odd 
It and is then odd. her friends leaving her alone. You know, to me, it kind of seems more like my theory is she was drugged. Her friends left her in the hallway. Um, and she's kind of led into a freezer, probably by somebody who knows where the cameras are. Because now there are, you know, speculations as well that the camera footage had been tampered with. Her mother also says that she knows for a fact when she searched that hotel and when she found out where Kanika was, that there was a video or a camera uh-huh. pointing at the freezer. The hotel says there was never a camera. Yep, see, the the hotel and her friends, I think, had something to do with it. Do for you? sure. Mm-hmm. So you think she was murdered? Yeah, I do. Okay. Well. Just too many coincidences. Like, yeah. with Elisa Lamb, yeah. I think that was a crazy... Really? Like, see, I don't think that was. I think somebody put her in there. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I, to me, that, like, a psychotic break mm-hmm. makes more sense, because I feel like if you're having a psychotic break you probably would do some weird fucking shit but you know you're just drunk at a party i guess in my case i'm looking at this because i can genuinely see myself doing some stupid shit like this you could see yourself opening a heavy ass door freezer going in and shutting the door behind you the the part about shutting the door is a little odd to me but i can see myself like just crashing wherever and like oh it feels nice out yeah that's what I can see. Um, so I basically think it was just a very sad, tragic, unfortunate situation. I think it was an accident. Um, you don't. I'd love to get everyone else's theories. Uh, but yeah, that's what I have here. And that is it. So, Well, guys, tell us what you think about it. Do you think she was murdered? Do you think it was just a horrible happenstance? Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? Let us know. This episode is sponsored by Rustic Peach. Rustic Peach is a small business owned by self-proclaimed crunchy mom, Jessica Armstrong. They offer over 20 different items, including lip balms, body products and luxury candles made with pure soy all of their items are handmade in small batches by a certified aromatherapist using only sustainable and clean ingredients all of their fragrances are free of phthalates and parabens i have purchased tons of items from jessica and i seriously can't say that i've had a single complaint and the fact that everything is all natural makes it even 10 times better I've actually got her flannel and fleece candle burning right now. While Rustic Peach was originally based out of Covington, Georgia, they recently made a move to Minnesota. As you can imagine, packing your entire life and business away and moving it across the country can be insanely difficult. Let's help support Jessica at her new home base with the holidays coming. You can reach Rustic Peach by email at rusticpeachnaturals at gmail.com. You can find them on Instagram at rusticpeachnaturals, on Facebook at facebook.com slash rusticpeachga. Also, check out her website at rusticpeachga.com. That's R U S. 
T-I-C-P-E-A-C-H-G-A.com. Be sure to use code JUICER for 20% off your purchase at checkout. Again, that's RusticPeachGA.com. R-U-S-T-I-C-P-E-A-C-H-G-A.com. Use code JUICER for 20% off. Welcome back, guys. Um, so today I'm going to be covering something absolutely horrible. Um, I didn't really know too much about this person until I started doing research and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, oh my god. He cray cray. Yeah. Um, I do want to go ahead and put a trigger warning saying that th- <laughs> there's a lot of insane shit in this case, like sexual torture, just just torture of children in general, um, cannibalism, um, there's a lot of graphic language, um, there's two letters from this person that I'm going to be reading, and (laughs) they're very bad, like, I felt sick typing them out, so, yeah, so just, um, when Alyssa told me who she was covering, I said, oh, I had already, like, I started researching this person a couple of months back, and I had a couple of paragraphs, but, like, literally, it was so disgusting. Like, I just it's couldn't so do it anymore. Bad. It's bad. Like, it's really bad. Like, I know I cover some gruesome shit sometimes, but, like, I don't know. Some of it, like, I just can't. Yeah. And when it comes to children, especially, it, it, it affects me. Yeah. I don't know why I covered him, but I did. So, if that's not your cup of tea, if you're squeamish, if this is not something you can handle, I guess just don't listen because most all of this is what that what that's going to be. So, so I'm doing The Boogeyman, Albert Fish. And um, I got my sources from Wikipedia, a website called WTOP.com, Murderpedia, and then a website called stmuhistorymedia.org. So that's where all of my information came. Um, this is probably going to be pretty long. I have a lot of information. So I guess let's begin. So Albert Fish was born May 19th, 1870 in Washington, D.C. to Randall, who was American, and Ellen Fish, who was, like, Scot-Irish-American. Randall was 75 years old when oh. Albert was born. Oh, that's what's wrong with him. <laughs> <laughs> the and semen was so old that it just it made just, a disgusting woman. <laughs> couldn't work properly. <laughs> um, the sperm was so old. Yes. <sighs> um. So, he was 43 years older than... Albert's mom. Holy cow. Yeah. So she was in her 30s? I think. Or 40s? Uh, maybe. I don't know. What's 75 minus 43? 32. There you go then. Um. So Albert was the youngest with three living siblings. Walter, Annie, and Edwin. Um. Apparently, like, Albert wasn't actually his name. 
but he wanted to go by that name because it was one of his dead siblings' names. Ooh. He also wanted this name to escape the na- the nickname he was given, which was Ham and Eggs. Ham and Eggs Fish. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, okay, tell me again. You said he was how much older than the mom? 43. 43 years uh-huh. older. Yeah, so she was 32. Okay, I was making sure I said that right. Good math. I could never... Um, so he was given the nickname Ham and Eggs while living in an orphanage, which is where a lot of his childhood took place. Mm. Because, you know, his dad's 75. Obviously, he's not going to last very long. Yeah. So his family had a history of mental illness. Mm-hmm. His uncle suffered from mania. One of his brothers was institutionalized in a state mental hospital. And his sister, Annie, was diagnosed with mental affliction. Three other relatives were also diagnosed with mental illnesses, and his mother was diagnosed with visual hallucinations. Damn. Yeah. So his father, um, he was a riverboat captain, and in 1870, he became a fertilizer manufacturer. Mm. Um, And by 1875... Randall died of a heart attack. So uh, he was only five years old when his dad died. Yeah. But he was already on an orphanage anyway. Well, no, not yet. Oh, okay. Um, because his father died, his mother put him into St. John's Orphanage in Washington. Because, like, she was broke. She couldn't take care of herself or her kids. So. All right. So he was regularly abused there. The beatings were so brutal, like just absolutely horrible. But <laughs> unlike most of us who would, you know, get a beating, mm-hmm. we would hate it. Oh. Albert started to enjoy them. Gross. So much so that he would get erections while being beat. Oh. And the other boys would tease him for it. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't really find in any information about, like, what kind of beatings and what went on at the orphanage, so I just, like, Googled the mm-hmm. orphanage. And, um, <clears throat> so there were talks about, um, the children receiving beltings and repetitive rape by other boys, Ooh. the staff, and the orphanage caretaker. So everybody just was a rapist there. Um, It also talked about how at one point there was 200 boys and only 12 toilets. Oh, wow. And because of this ratio, some of them would poop in the urinals, um, in the drains, on the grass, or in their pants. And, of course, you know, doing this would cause them to be beat. Right. So... Um, their clothes were also only washed once a week, and they were not given any underwear. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Bad. So, Albert Fish said, um, I was there till I was nearly nine, and that's where I got started wrong. We were unmercifully whipped. I saw boys doing many things they should not have done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that is where you got started wrong. <laughs> 
Harold Schechter, who is a professor of American literature, literature at Queens College, City University of New York, and the author of Deranged, the Shocking True Story of America's Most Fiendish Killer. He says, while there, he was subjected to all manners of physical and sexual abuse and humiliation and torture, which completely warped his personality out of shape. It turned him into the kind of monstrous being that he was. Mm-hmm. And I looked for that book on Amazon and I was reading the reviews and everybody was saying like, literally the Wikipedia page is nothing compared to no, like it's the same as the Wikipedia page. Oh, okay. He just gives his own opinion and analysis. That's what makes the book longer. I was surprised when I was doing my research at how, um, what's the word I'm looking for? How how much like the wikipedia page went into it and like actually said these disgusting things yeah all of like the letters and stuff yeah all that was from wikipedia yeah so they really they nailed it yeah they didn't hold back i guess is what i was trying to say yeah no they didn't so in 1880 ellen was finally able to get albert out of the orphanage due to her getting a government job um, when he was 12 years old in 1882, he began a relationship with a telegraph boy who introduced Albert to, I'm going to look up this pronunciation, Urologina. Is that something to do with the urethra? <laughs> what do you think it is? Well, I'm assuming it has something to do with urine or the urethra. <laughs> Urologina, urologina, I don't know what it is. But this is when someone gets sexual excitement from the sight or thought of urine. Yuck. He also introduced him to, this is another one I meant to look up how to pronounce, coprophagia. Okay. Phagia, phagia, which is basically eating feces (laughs) to gain sexual pleasure. Oh my God, why? Dude. Imagine somebody introducing you to that. Would mm. I mean, if I were dating a man and he was like, look, I just have this fetish. I really just, you know, want to talk to you about it. I, I was about to say something really disgusting, but I know your dad listens. So I would just, but no, <laughs> it's over. <laughs> it's over. Yeah, no, I could not be with somebody who has a poop fetish. Not just a poop fetish, but like a eating poop fetish. That's yeah. yeah. Like it would be weird if like you were taking a poop and your boyfriend comes in and he just like wants to look at your poop, but it's another if he starts digging it out of the toilet. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm so turned on right now. This is just <laughs> delectable. Oh my god! So this creepy motherfucker would also visit public baths so that he could watch the boys undress gross throughout his life he would also send obscene letters to women that he found in classified advertising and matrimonial agencies hmm so was so was he bisexual i think so okay um i always just thought he was gay well i don't know really i think he preferred men but, um, I mean, he was married, like, three times. Mm. 
and he had six kids with one of them so okay. one I, of I his, don't think I got that far into my research one of his victims is female so oh, oh yeah yeah oh, yeah 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 that's one of the letters isn't it mm-hmm. yep okay yep <laughs> Mary Grace Grace was her name Grace okay mm-hmm. I know it was one of those old-timey names yeah <laughs> my mm-hmm. sister's middle name is Grace <laughs> my first name's Mary <laughs> So now we're going to skip ahead to 1890 when Albert moved to New York City. And this is where he became a sex worker, which is fine. Do your thing. But then he started raping young boys, which is not okay. No. Like, just be a sex worker. Yeah. You don't have to rape people. Mm-hmm. They come into you. Right. They're giving you money. In 1989, Albert's mother arranged a marriage for him and a woman named Anna Mary Hoffman, who was nine years younger than him. They had six children named Albert, Anna, Gertrude, Eugene, John, and Henry. Okay. Albert worked as a house painter and continued molesting children, mostly boys under the age of six. Gross. Horrible, man. Imagine, like... Being married, having six kids with somebody, and this is literally what he's out doing. Horrible. At one point, a male lover took him to a a waxworks museum where he saw a bisection of a penis, and this started his fascination and sexual mutilation. In 1903, Albert was arrested for grand larceny, convicted, and incarcerated. So, seven years later, in 1910, while Albert was working in Wilmington, Delaware, he met a 19-year-old man named Thomas Kedden. The two began a sadomasochistic relationship, Mm -hmm. but it's unclear whether or not this was consensual or if Albert was basically forcing Thomas to do this. Right. So, nobody knows. Um... Later on, during Albert's confession, he did mention that Thomas was intellectually disabled, so... Oh, no. Yeah. And that's what he did. He targeted, like, black people and um, disabled people. Wow. Yeah. Um, Ten days later, Albert took Thomas to an old farmhouse... And began to torture him for two entire weeks. Hmm. He tied Thomas up and cut off half of his penis. Oh my god. Albert said, I shall never forget his scream or the look he gave me. Like, yeah, I'm sure it was horrible. He had intended to kill Thomas and cut up his body. Then take it home with him. But um, he thought that the hot weather would kind of draw attention to him because dead decomposing body like in a suitcase or something yeah so instead he poured peroxide over the penis wrapped it in a vaseline covered handkerchief left a ten dollar bill kissed him goodbye and left while he's tied up with half his penis gone i don't know if he was tied up but okay he said i took the first train i could back home Never heard what became of him. Never tried to find out. Hmm. Good man, right? Mm-hmm. 
1917, Albert's, Albert's wife left him for a man named John. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I won't, because he's unimportant to the story. Mm-hmm. Not only did she leave Albert, Albert, but she also left him with all six of their kids. Damn. Which is, like, do you even care about them? Because this man is <laughs> Disgusting. not good. <laughs> so now he's a single parent raising six kids. Um, his wife had also taken all of the family possessions that they had ever owned. So they literally had nothing. Yeah. He then began having auditory hallucinations and wrapped himself in a carpet saying that he was following the instructions of John the Apostle. Oh. Around this time is when Albert started harming himself. He would embed needles into his groin and abdomen. Later, after his arrest, an x-ray showed that Albert had at least 29 needles lodged in his pelvic region. Disgusting. What the fuck? Like, um, I was reading that, like, the, it was the psychiatrist, I think, noticed that he, like, couldn't sit comfortably. Yeah. And they were like, you know, what's going on with you? And he's like, oh, you know, I got a bunch of needles in my body. Yeah. It's Ooh. insane. He would also repeatedly hit himself with a nail-studded paddle. And he would insert wool doused with lighter fluid into his butt and set it on fire. What? (laughs) Oh my god, this weirdo. It's actually kind of sad. A little bit. So there are no reports of Albert abusing his children. Wow. But, I mean, I think that this is a form of abuse. He would often get them and their friends to paddle him on the butt with the nail studded paddle that's abuse right yeah Yeah, okay so and that's for his sexual gratification so absolutely yeah that's disgusting it's horrible um so he began being obsessed with cannibalism and would often prepare himself a dinner of just raw meat and sometimes he would also, like, try to get his kids to eat it, too. Oh. What are you doing? I'm just poking at a candle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just see all this extra wax on the side and bugging me. So, in 1919, Fish, Fish, Albert stabbed an intellectually disabled boy. And then he would also pay boys to bring him children for him to molest. Oh. Like, this is what he's doing in his spare time. Nice hobby. Right. On July 11th, 1924, Albert enticed an eight-year-old girl named Patrice, who was playing alone on her parents' farm, to help him look for rhubarb. I don't know if that's how you pronounce that, but it's like a vegetable that grows. Okay. Um, Before Patrice could leave with him, her mother came out and chased Albert away. So, good for her. Yeah. Uh, But... He later returned to their to their house to sleep in their barn, but Patrice's father found him and was like, "Bitch, get the fuck out of here!" Yeah, and so he left. Like, what the audacity, the nerve to do that? Gross. 
Um, so when Albert was 54 years old in 1924, he was suffering from psychosis and felt that God was commanding him to torture and sexually mutilate children. Because that's what God does. Yes. That's all God ever wants for anybody. Um, so Albert had what he called his implements of hell. Have you ever heard of these? No. So they were a meat cleaver, a butcher knife, and like a small handsaw. Those were his implements of hell. So he wanted to test these implements of hell out on someone. So he chose a young boy that he had been molesting named um, Cyril, 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 you know? Sure. C-Y-R-I-L. Okay, yeah. Cyril, Cyril Quinn. So Albert found him playing box ball on the sidewalk with his friend, and he asked them, like, you guys hungry? And they were like, yeah. So Albert was like, I'm going to make you guys some sandwiches. Follow me. So they followed him to his apartment, and while he was, like, making the sandwiches, they were in his bedroom wrestling on his bed when they dislodged the mattress and found his meat cleaver, handsaw, and butcher knife underneath the mattress. So, obviously, they get scared and run the fuck out of there. Yeah. So, (laughs) good for them. Oh, gosh. Um, on February 6th, 1930, Albert remarried to Estella Wilcox, but divorced her after only a week of marriage. I wonder why he's marrying women. Like, as a cover-up? Probably. I mean, this is early early years where that is, like, not okay. Right. Um, three months later in May, Albert was arrested for sending an obscene letter to a woman who answered who answered an advertisement for a maid. So I guess that's illegal. Hmm. So after that arrest, and then another one the following year, he was sent to a psychiatric hospital for observation, which that needed to have been done forever ago. Yes. Um, in, on May 25th, 1982, so this is like... 50 years later. Yeah. Forever later. Wait, I wonder. Did you say 1982? <laughs> that is not right. I was about to say he'd be like 112. Yeah. <laughs> Why did I do that? What is At that? At least do? you caught it, unlike yeah. me in the last episode. Scotty had to point it out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be 32. Okay. Albert came across a classified advertisement in the Sunday paper of the New York world that said, Young man, 18, wishes position in the country, Edward Budd, 406 West 15th Street. Three days later, Albert visited Edward in Manhattan to hire him for the work. He later confessed that he had planned to tie Edward up, mutilate him, and then leave him to bleed out. That was his plan. That was his goal. So he met the family under, under the name of Frank Howard. And Frank Howard was a farmer from Farmingdale, New York, which sounds so fake. (laughs) Right. Farmingdale. He told them he would hire Edward and his friend Willie and would send for them in a few days, but he never showed up. Mm -hmm. 
So he sent a telegram to the Bud family to apologize and to set a later date. When Albert came back to their house, he met Edward's younger sister, Grace Bud. This is when he decided that he wasn't going to kill Edward. He was going to kill Grace. He quickly made up a story about how he was going to attend his niece's birthday party and convinced Grace's parents to let her go with him to the party. And her parents agreed. And Grace left with Albert and they never saw her again. The police arrested a superintendent named Charles Edward Pope on September 5th, 1930 as a suspect of Grace's disappearance. He was accused by his estranged wife, and he spent 108 days in jail, but was later found not guilty. Oh. Crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this bitch was literally like, um, my husband, my, my ex-husband did it. Yeah. What a bitch. <clears throat> I wonder what led her to believe that. She may she may have just been mad. Yeah. That was my impression, anyways. So, um, we're about to get to the letter. Okay. So, you guys, if you if this is not something you want to hear, skip ahead like probably a minute because it's a long letter. So, November of nineteen thirty four, Grace's parents received an anonymous letter that read, <clears throat> "Okay." This is long. My dear Mrs. Bud, in 1894, a friend of mine shipped as a deckhand on the steamer Tacoma, Captain John Davis. They sailed from San Francisco to Hong Kong, China. On arriving there, he and two others went ashore and got drunk. When they returned, the boat was gone. At that time, there was a famine in China. Meat of any kind was from $1 to $3 a pound. So great was the suffering among the very poor that all children under 12 were sold to the butchers to be cut up and sold for food in order to keep them from starving. A boy or girl under 14 was not safe in the street. You could go in any shop and ask for steak, chops, or or stew meat. Part of the naked body of a boy or girl would be brought out and just what you wanted cut from it. A boy or girl's behind, which is the sweetest part of the body, and sold as veal cutlet, brought the highest price. Oh, my God. (laughs) John stayed there so long he acquired a taste for human flesh. On his return to New York, he stole two boys, 17-111, took them to his home, stripped them naked, tied them in a closet, then burned everything they had on. Several times every day and night he spanked them, tortured them, to make their meat good and tender. First, he killed the 11-year-old boy because he had the fattest ass. That's his words, not mine. I just lost where I was. And, of course, the most meat on it. Every part of his body was cooked and eaten except the head, bones, and guts. Gross. He was roasted in the oven, all of his ass, boiled, broiled, fried, stewed. The little boy was next. Went the same way. At that time, I was living at 409 East 100th Street. Rear right side. He told me so often how good human flesh was, I made up my mind to taste it. 
on Sunday, June 3rd, 1928, I called you at 406 West 15th Street, brought you pot cheese and strawberries. We had lunch. Grace sat in my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind to eat her on the pretense of taking her to a party. You said yes, she should she you said yes, she could go. I told her to I took her. Oh my god. I took her to an empty house in Westchester I had already picked out. When we got there, I told her to remain outside. She picked wildflowers. I went upstairs and stripped my clothes off. I knew I did not I knew if I did not, I would get her blood on them. When all was ready, I went to the window and called her. Then I hid in a closet until she was in the room. When she saw me naked, she began to cry and tried to run down the stairs. I grabbed her and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked. How did she kick, bite, and scratch? I choked her to death, then cut her in small pieces so I could take my meat to my room. Cook and eat it. Oh my god. How sweet and tender her little ass was roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. <coughs> okay. This next part says I did not fuck her though, even though it would be rape. I could have had I wished. She died a virgin. Like, thank you for giving me that solace god that letter sucks it's horrible but the second letter which we'll get to later is even worse like Uh, the second one is the one that really got me fucked up oh my god what a disgusting human yep so the police investigated the letter and the story about captain davis and the famine in hong kong but it couldn't be verified like they couldn't find the truth to to that um, they also weren't able to tell whether or not Albert actually did eat Grace. So, it's still unclear. Oh, I'm sure he did. Oh, I'm sure he did, too. So, the letter had been delivered in an envelope with, with a small hexagonal emblem with the letters of NYPCBA, which stands for New York Private Chauffeurs Benevolent Associ- Association. And a janitor at the company told the police that he had taken some of this stationery home with him at some point, but left it at his rooming house when he moved out. And the landlady of the rooming house said that Albert checked out of that room a few days earlier. William F. King, who was the chief investigator for the case, um, waited outside of the room until Albert returned. And Albert agreed to go to headquarters for questioning but then took out a fucking razor blade and tried to attack him. But he was disarmed and taken in. <laughs> so he did not deny the murder of Grace. He admitted to it. Um, he told them how he had gone to her house originally to kill her brother, Edward. Mm-hmm. Um, he also told police where the where they could find her remains, which were buried behind or yeah behind an abandoned house in Westchester um but only her bones were found so that's I guess why they can't tell yeah just her bones he also mentioned that it never crossed his mind to rape her but while he was kneeling like on top of her 
strangling her, he had two involuntary ejaculations. Oh. Yeah. Um, so they used this to claim the kidnapping was sexually motivated to avoid any mentionings of cannibalism. Mm. After his arrest, two other murders remain known to investigators. On July 14, 1924, nine-year-old Francis McDonald was reported missing by his parents. A search was organized and his body was found hanging from a tree in a wooded area near his home. He had been sexually assaulted and strangled with his suspenders. Oh, So sad. According to his autopsy, he had severed extensive lacerations to his legs and abdomen, and his left hamstring had been almost entirely stripped of its flesh. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's horrible. Francis's friend told the police that he was taken by an elderly man with a gray mustache. A neighbor also told the police that they had seen Francis with a man with the same description. Um, And they were walking into the nearby woods. The neighbor told the reporters he came shuffling down the street mumbling to himself and making weird motions with his hands. I saw his thick gray hair and his drooping gray mustache. Everything about him seemed faded and gray. And then on February 11th, 1927, 3-year-old Billy Beaton and his 12-year-old brother were playing in the apart- in, in the apartment hallway with Billy Gaffney. So at some point the 12-year-old I guess was like I'm done playing with two little <laughs> little children and like went back to the apartment or whatever. And then the two Billies both disappeared. Um Billy Beaton, who was the three-year-old, was found alive on the roof of the apartments. And when asked what happened to Billy Gaffney, the you know the other kid, he said the boogeyman took him. Mm-hmm. Um, Gaffney's, yeah, Gaffney's body was never discovered. Wow. Joseph Me Meehan, Meehan who was a motorman on a Brooklyn trolley, saw a picture of Albert Fish in a newspaper and identified him as the man who he saw on February 11th, 1927. He said that the old man had been trying to quiet a little boy sitting with him on the trolley. The little boy was not wearing a jacket and was crying for his mother. The man dragged the little boy on and off the trolley. And um, Mm -hmm. Albert wrote a letter to his attorney detailing the murder. So, again, this part is super horrible. It's um, <laughs> it's really bad. So if you don't want to hear it, skip a minute or whatever. So that letter says, I brought him to the Riker Avenue dumps. This is a house that stands alone, not far from where I took him. I took the G-boy there. Literally, I took... The G-boy there. What does the G-boy mean? I would assume, like, his last name was Gaffney. Okay, so okay. maybe that... Sorry, I'm trying to make this laptop turn back on. Okay. Um, stripped him naked and tied his hands and... And... Feed gagged him with a piece of dirty rag I picked out of the dump. So... Literally put a dirty rag in his mouth. Then I burned his clothes. 
threw his shoes in the dump. Then I walked back and took trolley to 59th Street at 2 a.m. and walked home from there. So he literally like tied this little boy up and then left him in this abandoned house. Wow. Next day, about 2 p.m., I took tools, a good heavy cat of nine tails, homemade, short handle, cut one of my belts in half, slit these half and six strips about eight inches long. I whipped his bare behind till the blood ran from his legs. Oh, my God. I cut off his ears, nose, slit his mouth from ear to ear, gouged out his eyes. Oh, my God. He was dead then. I stuck the knife in his belly and held my mouth to his body and drank his blood. Ew. I picked up four old potato sacks and gathered a pile of stones. Then I cut him up. I had a grip with me. I put his nose, ears, and a few slices of his belly in the grip. Then I cut him through the middle of his body, just below his belly button. Then through his legs about two inches below his behind. I put this in my grip with a lot of paper. I cut off his head, feet, arms, hands, and the legs below the knee. This I put in sacks weighed with stones, tied the ends, and threw them into the pools of slimy water you will see along the road going to North Beach. Water is three to four feet deep. They sank at once. I came home with my meat. I had the front of his body I liked best. His monkey and peewees. Yeah. Oh. Yep. His monkey and peewees. I lost my... Okay. Um, his monkey and peewees and a nice little fat behind to roast in the oven and eat. I made a stew out of, out of his ears, nose, pieces of his face and belly. I put onions, turnips, celery, salt, and pepper. It was good. Then I split the cheeks of his behind open. Cut off his monkey and peewees and washed them first. I put strips of bacon on each cheek of his behind and put it in the oven. Then I picked four onions, and when meat had roasted about a fourth of an hour, I poured about a pint of water over it for gravy and put in the oven the onions. At frequent intervals, I basted his behind with a wooden spoon so the meat would be nice and juicy. In about two hours, it was nice and brown, cooked through. I never ate any roast turkey that tasted half as good as his sweet little behind did. I ate every bit of the meat in about four days. His little monkey was as sweet as a nut. Oh my god. But his peewees, I could not chew. Threw them in the toilet. This just, like, it's so disturbing and disgusting that it sounds made up. It sounds so made up. Like, what? What? Like, I've never heard of this. Ever. It's absolutely... And, you know, it's sad that... Like, I hope his mom never had to read that. Oh, my God. Ever. Because... Could you imagine, like... No. Like, your son being murdered, but then cut up like this and eaten? Ugh. Roasted in the oven? It's so sad. So... Gaffney's mother did visit Albert, and she was accompanied by Detective King and two other men. She wanted to ask him about her son's death, but Albert started crying and asked to be left alone. What? Like, bitch, you don't have any right. No. No. 
And after two hours of her, like, trying to get answers out of him, um, you know, she just left. And she still wasn't convinced that Albert is her son's killer. Mm-hmm. Which I, you know. I don't know. It makes you wonder. You know what I mean? Like, like you said when we were talking a few cases ago, some people just admit to shit that isn't even true. Just to, I don't yeah. know, what, for fame, for notoriety? I mean... I don't know. I mean, he may have killed him. That is so, like, outlandish, these things that he's saying. It's like, is that for real? And the way he talks about it, too, it's just like, like, yeah, I literally chopped this boy's butt off and put it in the oven and, you know, roasted it and ate it, and it was so good. Like, to me, it just seems like it's like he has no remorse and no... Well, and the details, like, and I basted it every quarter of an hour and yeah <clears throat> if it is real then this man really is just he probably the no conscious biggest monster yeah ever yep so albert pled insanity claiming that he heard voices from god telling him to kill children several psychiatrists testified about albert's sexual fetishes which I don't think that some of these are fetishes. I think that they are huge issues, but yeah. um, these included sadism, which I have the definitions for all just in case nobody knows what these are. Uh-huh. So um, it included sadi- sadism, which is when you gain sexual gratifi- gratification from harming or humiliating someone. Mm-hmm. Masochism which is sexual gratification from pain or humiliation, like, on yourself. And just side note, those things are not mental illnesses. Those are actually very common fetishes. When I say that, I mean, so there's cannibalism, pedophilia, and necrophilia. Those are the the three that they're not fetishes. They are literally, like, a huge issue. Oh, yeah. The rest of this... That a normal this is person. what you want. That's yeah. fine. Right. Yeah. Um, flagellation. As long as it is consensual. Yes, <laughs> as long as it's consensual. Yeah. Is that how you flagellation? Flag. It's F L A G E L L A T I O N. I guess what is that? Is that the poop thing? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that. No, that's the act of beating someone with um like special instruments okay. like a whip or. Okay, yeah. and again, if it's consensual, that is okay. Also, I don't know how to pronounce that, so if I got it wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, exhibitionism, which, which is, again, is okay if yeah. it's consensual. <laughs> the act of exposing... Pri- no, this is not fine. The act of exposing private parts in a uh, oh, public setting. No, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. No, I was thinking of something else. Like no, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah no. Exhibitionism is not okay. No, it's not fine. Voyeurism is the next one. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, which is gaining sexual pleasure from watching others as they're naked or performing sexual acts. That is fine. And if it's, it's consen- consensual. Yes. <laughs> Not like, exhibitionism. You can't be a peeping Tom. Well, I guess exhibitionism would be like having sex in public and things like that, right? Which um, is not really okay. I guess it could be also... I mean, if it's if the public setting is like... Private. A consensual <laughs> public setting. A private public setting. <laughs> then I guess that's fine. But, like, you can't go to the park and just, like, whip out your dick. Ew, ew. Like, that's not okay. Like flasher. 
I yeah. guess a flasher would be an exhibitionist. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Um, voyeurism. And then, um, oh, God, this one, like, piquerism, which is the act of penetrating the skin with sharp objects. And then they also have um, cannibalism. And then the um, the fetish of poop eating. Coprophagia. I'm sorry, but that is not okay either. <laughs> Actually, so I have something to say about that in a minute. Okay. And then the urine one also. And then <laughs> hematologina. Tologina. Do you know what that is? Something to do with a toilet? I don't freaking know. No. Blood. Blood drinkers. Okay. Yeah. Um, hema, like th- yeah. Blood. Yeah. Okay. Pedophilia necrophilia and infibulation which is the removal of the external female genitalia oh that one's also not Mm, okay yeah okay so um you know he's trying to pull the insanity card Mm -hmm. and so they had numerous psychiatrists come in and be like yeah he's fucking insane but then there's this one who's like dude there are millions of people who like pee and who like to eat shit. But they don't kill people. Right. Like, these are completely normal, quote, unquote, societal perversions. Right. You know, like, that other people are dealing with the same perversions as you are. Right. But they're not killing people. Right. So, he was like, you know, I don't really think that that can be counted as insanity. insanity. Right. Yeah. And same with a lot of those. Like, he doesn't think that, like, even though Albert had all these fetishes, Mm -hmm. like, none of them really screamed like he's insane. Right, right. Well, there was no bestiality. Nope. Didn't see that in there. Just human. Yeah. Okay. You know, completely off topic, but while we're talking about fetishes, I don't know what made me do it, but in the last few days, for whatever reason... I was reading about foot fetishes, which personally, I think it's strange, but that's me. I understand people are into it. That's cool. Whatever. Do you. Um, But I read that like 25% of men have like sexual fantasies towards feet. And I thought that that was so strange because (laughs) I have had quite a few boyfriends in my lifetime. And I don't think I've had a single one that they informed me that they had a foot fetish i do know people that have them but i had no idea that it was that common yeah i mean people ask for feet pics yeah i mean i know but like one out of four men are into one feet. Out of four? yeah so oh i said 25 percent. holy shit i thought like do you have you ever like had a boyfriend that was in the feet um you know i don't think scotty's into feet but he definitely does not mind feet right well so, I, don't, I don't know i don't mind feet what does that mean though like to be sexually turned on by feet yeah i don't think i've ever dated anybody no. who are sexually I mean, turned on by feet i don't mind feet i will give a foot rub aaron doesn't mind feet, oh no i cannot do I mean? feet but really it was like i'll put my feet in scotty's face and he doesn't <laughs> care but he'll put his foot like near you like, right near me and i'm like See, Aaron and I will, like, lay across the couch, and he'll rub my feet, and I'll rub his. Like, no problem. You know what I mean? I mean, like, me and Scotty have done that, and I can do it, but it, I don't like it. Yeah. Like, I feel gross after touching somebody's foot. Yeah. I don't even really like to touch my own feet, Hmm. but that's weird. Anyway. (laughs) So, yeah, one out of four. (laughs) 
I think like the woman percentage was like seven percent or something, which sounds more realistic. Yeah. You know. All right. Well, um, so obviously the jury's like, this motherfucker is insane. But they all agreed that he needed to die. Yeah. So they found him sane and guilty. And the judge ordered the death sentence. Good. He was executed on January 16th, 1936 in the electric chair. Good. At Sing Sing. His last words were, I don't even know why I'm here. Oh. Like, bitch, yes, you do. Sick fuck. He is so terrible. So after his execution, Albert's lawyer, James Dempsey, told the reporters that he had Albert's final statement. And when asked if he would release what was written, he said, I will never show it to anyone. It was the most it was the most filthy string of obscenities that I have ever read. Wow. So for that to not have been released with these mess or these letters. Oh, I can't imagine. It must have been really terrible. So that is the boogeyman, Albert Fish. I'm sorry that I have been sick today and like I kept having to pause it to like drink water because I have so much drainage going on. So, um, I'm actually really upset about that because I was excited to give a good, long, in-depth um, case, but then I'm over here struggling to breathe and no, talk. you did great. So. It was a good case. It was a bad case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something like that. It was, yeah, bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, so guys, don't forget about our giveaway. Um, Brooke, do you want to insert our social medias? Sure, I can do that. Uh, be sure to join our Facebook group at For God's Sake Don't Drink the Jones Juice, Instagram at Don't Drink the Jones Juice, uh, TikTok at Don't Drink the Jones Juice. Email us with your personal um, true crime or paranormal stories at Don't Drink the Jones Juice at gmail.com. We would really like to do a listener juice. It's been a minute. So it has been a while. If you have creepy stories, send them our way and we will definitely read them. Um, also, be sure to uh, enter our giveaway because we, I think there's like a week left and we're going to announce a winner. So, <laughs> so that one person who entered. Yeah. Um, anything else I'm missing? Um, buy our merch yeah. at storefrontier.com slash don't drink the Jones juice. Yes. And uh, we hope you have a wonderful new year. And we hope that 2021 is better for you guys than it's been, or that than 2020 has been, because it's just been a nightmare. A nightmare on top of a nightmare. And uh, I guess we'll talk to you guys next year. Next year. (laughs) For God's sake. Don't drink the Jones juice.